0: But we're gonna we're continuing our series. This is our last last uh, morning of every day Jesus, and uh, well, I mean it's, every day is with Jesus, but our last time we we're discussing it here on a Sunday morning. Uh, but man, I'm I'm excited about it because I know the Lord wants to do some things in our lives, uh, a new level of consecration to Him, a new level going up into Him, uh, because you know everything is about Jesus. This is why we're here on this earth. This is why this church exists is to impact generations for. Okay, that's was, that was great. All right, drop the mic. All right, here we go. We're here to impact Generations for Jesus. That's our whole life, and that's, that's why we exist. That's why we're here. Uh, and I, I think it's an honor that the Lord sees fit that this is what we do. And not just a few people, it's this entire church. We're here to impact a city. We're here to impact Generations. We're here to impact a, a province. We're impacting a region to impact Generations for Jesus. That's who we are, and that's what we do. So, and the whole reason why we're talking about this and what we said before last week, just to recap a few things, but people need to encounter a living and a loving Jesus. That's what everybody's looking for. That's what everybody needs is an encounter, is a moment with Jesus, a living, the real Jesus, right? I don't know about you, but my life got entirely changed because of five minutes with Jesus changed my entire life. I believe you can say that for yourself. You know, the first thing, when Jesus, when you experience Jesus, one of the first things that you can actually tell that you've been touched is you can't help but you want to worship. You want to praise Him. You want to lift your hands because of all that He's done for you. So when you see us getting excited and raising our hands, it's not just, oh, that's what they do churchy. No, this is what we do daily because of what He's done to our lives. He's changed us. And that forever, I'm forever grateful. And so my hands will forever be lifted up because I'm grateful for what He's done in my life. He's changed me. Not only changed me, but he took me out of where I was and brought me to where I am. I love this man. I'm thankful for him. And not only that, but too, but Jesus is not some impersonal, historical, spiritual figure that people can experience just on a Sunday. Right? A lot of times view you know, Jesus as a Sunday morning figure that people go to church to see this Jesus. Well, how many you know Jesus is more than a Sunday morning figure? He is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday figure. 24-7, 365, every day he wants to be with you, yeah. impacting you, involved in your life, your day-to-day. He's interested, right? In Matthew one twenty-three, I love this. This is... Uh, uh, the account of kind of the Christmas story, but it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. doesn't say God is against us. doesn't say God is around us. He says he's with us. You know, Psalm 4 verse 15 in the message uh, paraphrase, it says, we don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. So what we wanted to talk about, what we're doing is we're taking this Jesus that people kind of view as somewhere and bring him right to where you're at, right to your doorstep. He is right here, right involved and ready for action, right? He's interested. Man, people, I I don't know what you think about that, but I go, Lord, thank you for wanting to be interested in my life. (laughs) Because listen, you meet people, I mean, sometimes you, you come in contact with people and go, they got a lot of stuff going on in their life. Man, that's just a lot of baggage. Jesus is not scared of baggage. It doesn't throw him off. He doesn't go, oh, dear me. (laughs) You got a few suitcases we got to handle. Well, uh, good luck to you then. And uh, just, you know, pray and somehow figure it out. No, no, no. He's right here. Man, let's talk about, let's get this stuff off. Let's get it off you. Let's give you my yoke, which is easy. That's who he is. He's a loving God, right? I know you're with me. You're just not saying anything. Okay. (laughs) Psalm 139, and I just want to show you this. I don't have this on the screen for you, but... Let me just read a few verses. In verse 1 it says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. And I want you to notice how close he is. Okay? Psalm 139 verse 2 it says, You know when I sit down, when I stand up. Some people aren't even aware when they sit down. (laughs) (laughs) You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You're, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful me, for, wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, and if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Where is he? He's close. Not about you, but if anybody naturally speaking did this, they'd be a kind of a creep. <laughs> but we have a father who right now, I mean, I'm, I, I guess I'm, I read a lot of these verses, especially when we have our baby coming. God's eyes are looking directly at my daughter. Before I, I've, I've not, I mean, we can see the effects of her. She's growing inside my wife. Jamie's not getting big. The baby's getting big in Jamie. I had to learn that terminology. <laughs> Like, girl, you're getting big. And she's like, no, 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 the baby's getting big. Yes, the baby is getting big. You're just being so kind to expand with it. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, that to me is amazing. And not only that, but in this whole thing, I love you with all my heart. You are so beautiful. <laughs> Mac, can you finish that up? Where's Mac? You can finish that off. there. <laughs> But we have a God who's so close and He desires closeness. I mean, it hurts Him when you you pull away or things are distant. He hates distance. He hates it. And that's why we talked about last week about Jesus bringing death to distance. He closed the gap between a father and his children. He closed that gap. And how did He do it? He did it through the blood of Jesus. By Him going to the cross and eliminating that gap. Destroying that sin that was between us. And the entire human race, now in God's eyes is close now all it has to do it has to be received that's all that it is right you know in Psalm chapter 8 verse 4 don't turn there but it just talks about how much uh, it says God you are mindful of all like what, what are who are these mortal beings these human beings that you're mindful of them that you care about them that actually you spend time thinking about them listen I, I, this morning my whole heart is to really show you God's heartbeat is people that's his heartbeat. When he thinks, when he wakes up, well, he doesn't, he's always awake. But when, when you wake up, the first thing that's on his mind is you. Yeah. He sings songs over you. Man, the moment you get up and you start going around your day, God's total attention, you are on the front of his screen. Every time, no matter where you go, no matter what it's like, your picture is always directly in front of him. And he's constantly thinking about you, constantly talking about you, constantly speaking to you. He loves you, Right? So why everyday Jesus? Number one is, well, Jesus desires to be an active reality in your everyday life. And as we saw, John chapter 15 doesn't just want to, you know, kind of be around hanging out with your Sunday tag friend. He wants to be involved so that you can produce results, right? There's nothing worse than a Christian having no results in their life, right? That's the whole reason why Jesus came is so you could bear fruit, see results, and not only just see some results, to see results and then some and then some more. That's what he desires. That's what he longs for. You're his kid, right? Okay. And as I acknowledge him in everything, what will he do? He will direct my path. As I, instead of leaving him out, we talked about this big ring and having, you know, kind of the WWF ring thing, you know, the wrestling thing. Rather than just tagging for Jesus to come in and now help me with something tough, now instead what I'm doing is I'm bringing Jesus into the ring of life with me. No matter what I face, no matter what I go through, I have Jesus right alongside me. Not just when it gets really hard and then I want to throw him in there and, okay, Jesus, take care of this. No, we do life together. I do this life with Jesus. I am a husband with Jesus. Can I get an uh uh-huh from the husband's? You need Jesus, the Spirit of God on the inside of you to show you how to husband. If you think you can do it on your own, you're sadly mistaken. I need I need Jesus with me to be a dad. I need Jesus with me to be a son, to be a brother, to be a pastor. I need him for everything, not just for the tough stuff. I need him involved in every area of my life. Decisions. Where are my kids going to go to school? I don't know up here, so I need his guidance. I need his assistance. Kids need to go. You know where they're going to end up, so what What do you say? Where do they need to be? He wants to be involved in everything. He wanted to be involved in me marrying Jamie. Man, if, we, if I, you've heard my, my story and my testimony a little bit with that, but I'm just so thankful that even when I was not pursuing God, he was pursuing me. And in the whole midst of it, instead of pursuing my soccer career, he said, go to Jamaica. I just, I mean, go to Jamaica. What? Why? Like, okay, Jamaica's great, you know. <laughs> but why would I want to go there? I got my soccer career here. And I just said, you know, I just got to go. And in going there, I met this girl. I'm thankful. He wants to be involved in everything, every area of your life, not just the tough stuff, not just the stuff that may seem big in your eyes, even to the smallest little detail as, what should I wear today? Give him access. That's why I look so good. (laughs) Just had to throw that in there for fun. Okay. All right. But as we become properly acquainted with him, we become more like him. And as a result of being more like him, we'll understand his heart and be effective in doing number two, which was he wants to use you to reveal himself through. So number one is all about Jesus wanting, getting Jesus in my everyday life. I need Jesus every single day. And the moment that I encounter and experience him, I'm changed from just being me. Now I'm formed into his image. And as a result, knowing his heart, seeing what he's like, I can do number two effectively, which is to now be a representation Of who he is down here on this earth and that's what he's looking for so this morning I'm gonna call us up to grow up a little bit are you okay with that we're gonna we're gonna grow up Okay, just slow down Joel before I jump into that but the reason is is Romans 2 4 it says don't you realize that it's God's kindness that is trying to lead you to him and change the way that you think listen it's time that the church realizes that we are the body of Christ we are it. Jesus isn't going to come down and do work on our behalf. He's given us the job. We are his body now. And I love what I was just thinking about this. How do you know that we are, haven't finished the job yet? It's because we're still here. <laughs> I was just kind of thinking about that. I'm like, or I guess just this thought came to me and it was just like, yeah, you know what, like, why do we still... You know, have people gather together in church. Why do we still have the church going out into the businesses and into the marketplace? Like this is the church is going out still. The go ye is still going. Why is that? It's because we have not finished the mandate yet, which is to what? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, right? To make disciples of all nations. That's, that command is still there. So that's why we're still here because the job's not done yet. You and I are the only Jesus that some people will ever see. I want you to take that personally. You are the only Jesus in your workplace that some people will ever encounter, and that is sad. Some people will never actually fully experience him, so what do we do? we got to show him the Jesus that that they're missing out on. Because listen, I want you to remember this. Jesus was attractive to sinners. Luke chapter 15 and verse 1, you read that. It says that even the the notorious sinners of those days, (laughs) and what did they do? They came to hear his teaching. So I don't know about you, but I've made up my personal mind as a human being, as Joel housing, that I'm going to be a vessel for God to use to have access to people. I remember as I was, I was preparing, this was a, about a year ago so, so now, and the Lord said this to me, he said, Joel, I need to use you so I can have access to people. I need you so I can have access to people. Done. Okay. Listen, how is God's not going to just... He can't just come down into this earth and say, Hey, everybody, I'm the big G. I'm, I'm him. This is me. I'm really kind. He doesn't do it that way. He can't. He would illegally be coming into this earth. So what does he use? Vessels. Human vessels. The same way the kingdom of darkness is operating and you can see people being used by the enemy to steal, kill, and to destroy. The same way the kingdom of God comes to bring life. He uses people. He uses you and I. So some people, the only way that some people ever experience and encounter heaven on this earth is through you. Now, I said that as a, as a person, as an individual, I'm saying yes to this. But also, Jamie and I, as pastors of this church, we're saying the exact same thing. We're saying, Lord, yes to whatever you want to do in order to reach people. I don't care how it's going to look. Because listen, we've got to remember this. God is going to reach people regardless of what you think about it the styles, the techniques. He is going to reach people because he loves people. And I, for one, will not be standing there saying, I'm being in the way of God wanting to reach somebody. I refuse that. Anybody with me? Man, I don't want to be in the way. God's trying to do something, trying to reach somebody. At the same time, I'm in the way. Or this church is in the way. No way, God. However you want to do it, whatever you want to do it, no matter what the cost is, no matter what the flack may be, we are willing to do whatever it takes to reach one for Jesus. Reach one. What's, what's, what's it worth a soul to somebody? Man, somebody put, You, know, you can put a dollar figure on it. On to, to God, it was his very own son. So he's willing to pay everything. He, heaven went bankrupt to get you. So what's it going to take for us to realize that and now go outside this way? We're willing to do whatever it takes. right? So that's what we're going to discuss a little bit this, this morning. Cool. All right, we're going to let him lead. And I believe this, and this is what the, actually the Lord gave me this. Uh, God is, he said, I'm awakening this region, this church, to be religion killer killers and relationship builders. Because one of the greatest things that absolutely hinder people from a walk with God is religion. Certain concepts, certain ideas from the external, are, I have to do this in order to... It's, uh, receive God or experience God. God is completely opposite. Christianity is God coming down and reaching to man. Right? Religion is man trying to reach to God in their own efforts. It's impossible. There's nothing you and I could do, can muster up, be good enough in order to get to our righteous, holy God. Instead, He came to us, and that is grace. That is kindness. That is His goodness. And that's who He is. And that's the Jesus we preach. Right? And you know, um,. As I said, God needs access to people, and I'm a willing vessel. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 2, or sorry, Second Timothy 4 5, uh, Paul tells Timothy, the pastor of the church, do the work of an evangelist. And in a message paraphrase, it says, keep the message alive. And I was thinking, you know, what this church is, one of the ways that we can be uh, a strong influence for God in our city is you and I would think of yourself as a message carrier, you have the message of grace. You have the message of Jesus on the inside of you. That is the greatest gift that anybody could ever receive. And listen, as we come into this Christmas season, you find people are a lot more open. Why are they open? It's, it's, it's not just something natural that we give gifts to each other. It's because God gave his only son. And there's there's something, whether people realize it or not, there's something on the inside of them that goes, There's gotta be more. Yeah. There's gotta be something to this whole Christmas season. There's gotta be something. Right, So forget about what, you can't say Christmas in a store. Who gives a rip? Just look at the people that are open saying, Merry Christmas, our God gave his son. That's what we're here to celebrate, not fighting X-Mass. Who gives a rip? God's not like, man, they're not putting Christ. Hey, Jesus, they're not putting Christ in Christmas. Can you understand what? He doesn't care. But meanwhile, the Christians, the reason I'm saying this is because we fight over things that are so silly. Oh, but you don't know the background. You should should look up what Xmas means. Who cares? God's not falling off the throne if you don't have Christmas. What I'm saying is get the heart of Jesus into people. Then they'll start saying it. Saying Merry Christmas or Xmas is not going to get anybody saved. Bottom line. Okay, that was just for free. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying this because I believe the Lord is, is training us up to be this in this region, what he needs done. And so what do we need? We need mature believers. We need people building up, coming up, thinking bigger, thinking expansion, reaching people. He's gonna use us. I'm ready for it. I'm glad we all are too. Okay. <laughs> now I remember just a quick little testimony for my own self. I remember the first encounter, and I guess the only way to say it, and I don't mean to be cheesy with it, but I actually, I was at a youth conference, this was a couple years ago when I was first youth pastoring. And at that time, <laughs> I had a lot of stuff going on with youth. It was just like, man, just, just weird things coming up and problems with this, problems with that, going to their homes, taking them out, like just all this stuff. And I remember one time I was at this youth conference and uh, the, one of the speakers that was there, he was a really great guy, He's a real motivational speaker. And uh, during one of his messages, I was I was listening to him, but I was also listening to the Spirit of God. He was just talking to me on the inside. And I remember all of a sudden, he, this, this speaker gave an altar call just for just for teens uh, to receive Jesus for one, but also that, where I had a, that dealing with suicide. And all of a sudden I looked up and I saw that room was, I mean, there's about 20,000 kids there. Room lit up, there's a ton of kids standing around. And for the first time, I know this without a shadow of a doubt, that I saw these kids as through the eyes of God. And I remember I broke down. I just, I wept like a baby because I saw a father's love towards a generation. And all that it did to me, it wrecked me. And meanwhile, I got a couple of kids that are just like, are you, are you okay? Are you dealing with suicide, Pastor Joel? No I'm, no, I'm no, I'm no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I just said, I love you. But it, it just opened me up to see how God seeds somebody. It's just, it, it's hard to explain. I honestly, I don't have words for it other than, whoa, Wow. So when you see a life change or you see someone come to know Jesus, you know that thrill that you read in Luke chapter 15. Heaven goes nuts. Why is that? It's because the father gets excited. You read about all the angels and they're throwing a big party because someone turned to the Lord. But the father instigated that whole party. He instigated it. Man, somebody comes in. What does the father do? He throws open his door. Come on in. Welcome in. And he just erupts with excitement. And as a result the response is everybody else just gets excited because the Father's excited. So what gets our Father, your God, my God, our Father, our Heavenly Father excited? It's people. 1 Timothy 2, I remember I was just saying that. Um, when we, we'll maybe turn there. But uh, I, said, like, I remember I was preparing for a message and the Lord just said, Joel, I want you to know my heart. I'm like, yeah, great Lord, talk to me. What's your heart? And I just remember hearing this, 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. First Timothy 2, as if just his heartbeat. And that's just that God desires all men to be saved. That's his heartbeat. And the moment, I mean, this, I'm just speaking now from a church perspective. If our goal, if, if we're just trying to get a bigger church, if we're just trying to, you know, have more events happen, we're missing the point of what we're here for. It's not about even just getting another cute message. Oh, I went to church today. I did my thing. No, it's about to get in power. What is God saying to me? What is he speaking to me so I can go out with it? And I know this, it's souls. It's people's lives. God wants people. And I know this, if we take care of God's business, He takes care of your business. What's His business? People. He's interested and loves people. Right? Okay. Now, it's impossible to reveal Jesus that you don't know or have never experienced. When you're with Him, you won't need to announce it. People will be able to tell. Now, I remember just hearing this. If you have to tell someone you're a Christian, there's a problem. (laughs) No, I'm really a Christian, you know. People should just be able to tell. And in Acts chapter 4, 13, this is a great example. But it talks about, you know, Peter. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You can tell where people have been by simply looking at the way they act. You've been with Jesus this past week. Oh, I don't like that Jesus then. <laughs> right? You can tell where people have been by the way that they are. Right? And I love that. So the more time that you spend with Jesus, the result is you become more like Him. Right? Now, a real invisible Jesus today is a direct result of us being with Him. It's vital that we be with Jesus first so that He can be revealed properly through us. Now listen, I, just, I wrote this for my own self. But the world doesn't need more Joel. It needs Jesus. (laughs) I was hoping for a no, 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 no. We need some Joel. No, I I, I understand. I'm not hurt. But my family doesn't need more Joel. It needs more. Why are you cheering? (laughs) This church doesn't need more Joel. It needs more Jesus. Yeah! It's the same for you, all right? <laughs> for, yeah, Yeah. amen, Pastor. We don't want more of you. We want more Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. thanks. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> but uh, in, uh, I'm just going to give you a little snippet from my dear diary here for a moment. But I remember this. I was just spending some time with the Lord, and I just, housing, I'm going to burn you all up until there is no more housing, only Jesus. And... He said, seek me and allow me to deal with the Joel nature and I'll work in you the Jesus nature. The best thing that I can do for you as a pastor, the best thing I can do for my family, for my wife, for my kids, the best thing I can do for this world is to be Godward, meaning God-focused. If my eyes are fixed upward, I'm able to bring heaven's influence down here. See, what the church is trying to do, a lot of times what people are trying to do, we're trying to reach this world with our eyes here. You can't influence effectively here. Why? We have to keep our eyes here. Jesus, what are you saying? Okay, we're going to do. That's how this whole thing works. Because if we're trying to reach a world that, you know, trying to reach the world apart from Him, we're going to fail every single time. So as long as my eyes, if I'm Godward to the world of the people, if I mean I'm Godward constantly as a result in order to get rid of the housing nature so so that the Christ nature can come alive, what happens? People will be blessed. People will start to see Jesus. Now, what I'm going to share with you a little bit more this morning is going to be causing you to think a little bit bigger. You're okay with that? Yeah. Causing you to stretch a little bit more. Because, listen, we're, we can't play church anymore. Church isn't just a game anymore. It, it's, it's for real, right? God and the enemy, they're, they're playing for keeps here. And so what I'm doing is I'm making sure I'm going to be a willing vessel for God to get everything that he can because he deserves it all. Not only that, but people... You don't want to see anybody going in the wrong direction. Okay. Whew. So, I believe this. Here we go. The greatest miracle to ever happen for a Christian. Are you ready? The greatest miracle. Now, I'm not talking about when you get born again. That's that's, fat. that's, that's it. But I'm talking about when someone receives Jesus as their Lord and Savior. When you become a Christian. God is on, living on the inside of you through His Spirit. More than seeing a body healed more than seeing a financial breakthrough, more than seeing someone delivered. And I believe God does all those things still. We've seen it. He will, And not only that, He will continue to do more. But I believe more than all of that is to see an individual move from a selfish lifestyle, self-centered, to a selfless lifestyle. That is the greatest change, the greatest miracle that anybody will ever see, is the moment you see that. And uh, I'm, I'll back it up. <laughs> I mean, you think of this, the ministry of Jesus was effective simply because it was focused on others. Jesus wasn't trying to, hey, come on in, guys, come on in, come on in. I need a big following, so disciples, can you go get, get that 500 people? They're just saying, come, get them in, get them in. He was always living this way. Now, I can show you why this can be a massive turnaround in your personal life, where you, in your job, in your business, wherever you work. You can turn this thing around, I mean, people seeing Jesus through you real quick by just doing this. Because the, today's culture is swarmed with selfishness. Yeah. Look at Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. We got those scriptures on there? Yeah, we do. Okay. Now I want you just to look at verse 1. Again, this is Paul writing. And I want you to remember that the season, the time that Paul was writing this letter in, Nero was in charge. And if you know any church history, Nero was a uh, Roman history. He was a horrible leader kill Christians by the thousands upon thousands and thousands. Put them in the Coliseum. They would just, you know, you know how they did it. They just destroy Christians left, right, and center. Well, Paul's writing this letter, and he's saying, you got to know this. So you should know this is not a, a hint. Or like, hey, it'd be good for you to know two plus two. You may need that. No, no, this is even deeper than you should maybe have mental knowledge of it. He's saying, you got to understand this. Like, get it. Get this in your skull, Christians. That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. But Paul, I thought you were living in difficult times. Not like this. Because verse 2, and listen, this whole list, you can read this whole list, and Paul is not talking about the world. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about believers. Those that have professed Jesus Christ as Lord. He's talking about them. And he says the first thing, people will love only themselves and their money. That's it. So today's culture is swarmed with selfie sticks. And actually, if you look in the Greek, it literally means to be self-kissing. This generation, lo- or sorry, this like generation that we're coming up in, they love themselves. They are so absorbed with themselves. Listen, if you could kiss yourself... Oh, me! It's me! They will, listen, they they will love only, look at that, only, what? Oh, they care for a few other things. They will love only themselves. And the problem with that is because they love money. Now, is money evil? No. What's evil about it? The love of it. If you love money, then you got a problem. That's where the root of this whole thing goes. So in order now to know, so if I, I'm reading this, okay? I'm, I'm looking at this going, the, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. Now, this is not, again, talking about a healthy love for yourself. I mean, because if you don't love yourself, there's no way you could love others, right? There's got to be a healthy, yeah, you know what? Because I, I love who I am. I love the man that God has created. I I love who I am, but I don't love myself in the sense of I look after myself to make sure at the downfall of somebody else. That's where the problem comes in. I'm going to take care of me, my things, my stuff, and nothing else. This is just, it's just me, myself, and I. Joel, you are so awesome. It's dangerous. Now, how do we grow up from this? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want you to look at this verse 11. You doing okay? Yeah. All right. Everybody can see that? When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like what? As a child, right? That's what kids do. I mean, I got a four-year-old and I got a two-year-old. What's their life around? Me. That's their entire life, that's their entire being. That's mine. No, it's mine. No, it's mine. And so finally I stepped in, boys, it's mine. <laughs> that ended it. <laughs> but you see, everything around them its just, oh, that's, that's my toy. That's my coat. No, it's my coat. It's mine. No, it's mine. Like It's just, it's silly. But then look what happens. He says, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, listen, you have to realize, I mean, how you see kids grow naturally into, you know, you got, you got infants, you got toddlers, you got childhood, you got teenagers, you got young adults, you got, you know, what is that for young adults? Adults? Oh, adults. (laughs) I didn't know that there was a switch. Okay. just, I thought you were a young adult for a while and then, uh, and then you have seniors. So you can see like even naturally speaking, how it progresses. Well, it's the same way spiritually. When someone gets born again, and they're, say they're 50 years old, and they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they don't become a 50-year-old spiritual person. What are they? Baby. They're a child. They're a baby stage, right? They're an infant. What does that mean? So, man, as, as a baby, as I'm soon going to find out, they need a lot of attention. They need a lot of time. They need to nurse. They, you're with them. They wake you up in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> But you can see as it progresses, you know, and now it's like Jace is no longer, you know, dependent on Jamie for, for food as he was as a baby. But now as he's progressed, now he's more dependent on me to get him treats and stuff. So whatever, but <laughs> it's all, it just changes. And now, but everything about is mine. It's me. It's my stuff. It's mine. But I love this, what Paul says. He said, but when I grew up, now that is a statement I think every Christian at some point has to say, but I've grown up. And so what have I done? I've put away childish things. I put it away. But a lot of times what it is, is, it's sad to say, is when I was a child, I spoke and thought like and reasoned like a child. And now that I'm a 50-year-old Christian, I still want to be like that. It's not going to work. If Jace talks to me how he's talking to me now when he turns 20, we're going to have a little bit of a chat and maybe a beating in there somewhere. <laughs> I don't want to hear mine. No, 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 that's, that's done. Right now, actually, Jamie and I we're working on taking away that from his vocabulary. Why? He's growing up. He's getting bigger. And when he goes to school, he can't be acting like that. It's not going to work. Well, it's the same way. So we talk about, okay, Jesus, we want Jesus in our life. The first thing that took away from me in my my conversation with the Lord is this mine mentality. Belongs to me. Because listen, generations can be entitled. Not just the younger generation, older generations, they have this entitlement mindset too. Where everybody thinks it belongs to me. No, 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 no. Nothing you have belongs to you. It was a gift from God. We're thankful for it. What I'm talking about is when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, let me just uh, (laughs) elaborate on this a little bit. Now, if you look up a little bit, a few verses up from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, I think it's interesting is, so Paul wrote all this. When I grew up, I put away childish things. But just before that, he talks about love. So the question I asked the Lord, actually, this was just, you know, yesterday morning, I asked him, so Lord, how, how do you grow up? Well, then he asked me this question, how do you love? Oh, okay. So Lord, how do I grow up? How do you love? Because if we look at this list, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want you to read this, New Living, and I'll read it to you from the, uh, the other translation as well. But in verse 4, it says, love is patient and it's kind. Yeah. I'm not patient, I'm not kind. You're a baby. It's cool, but if you've been like that for 15 years, Lord, grow up. Put away childish things. And the reason why I'm saying this is because we got to reach. You can not effectively reach someone if you're not patient and kind. <laughs> Listen, the world's going to test you every possible way that they possibly can. They're going to come at you. They're going to say stuff. They're going to do stuff. It's gonna... The opportunity to get offended is very high. <laughs> very high. And not only that, too, but there's actually people in the church that will give you a good enough opportunity for that. <laughs> Anybody ever seen that meme? You know, uh, it's Captain Jack Sparrow. Where he says, be a pastor, they said. It'll be fun, they said. And you see him just, <laughs> <laughs> Man, you come in contact with some crazy people and you think it's the world. No, it's the church. <laughs> What has happened? Uh, They didn't put away childish things. And to just say, Can you put away those childish things? You get beat up. So here I'm just saying it to a broad audience. Nobody look around. This is just between, you know, we're just having a little chat. But love is patient and love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own ways, it is not irritable. Hey, you you locate your own self. Nobody's pointing any fingers here. It is not irritable, and here's the thing, it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And some translations end it with, love never fails. Now let me just read it to you from the Passion. It says, love is large and incredibly patient. And I just love this because I think one of the reasons, and this is my own personal opinion, so this isn't scripture or anything, this is just me. One of the reasons why people live a small life is because they don't love well. You want to see the largeness? I mean, people sometimes, their, their vision, what happens... When you see somebody who's stingy, not just, I'm talking financially, but stingy and everything, the result is their life becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. But the moment that you can live big, see big, is by loving large. And what happens when love, what did I just read? It says, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is huge. When you step out and remain and walk in this love, the result is you start to live big. And here's the thing, even financially, love, the greatest showcasing of love is Giving. That's what it does. You live a giving lifestyle of your time, of your resources, of who you are, of your help, of your need. This is what I do. When you start to love like this, you start to live like this, you're living big and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. So it's, oh yeah, I was nice to my wife one day and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you stink. No, it's (laughs) Consistency. Right, It's not just, oh, oh, one time, yeah, I did it. That's great. If you you did it, celebrate that victory. But now you got Tuesday. Now you got Wednesday. Now you got Thursday. Keep going. Inconsistency lies the power. It's not just doing things once and going, oh, God, I did it. I was nice to my wife. (laughs) Only to come around to the next little situation. You got to try it again. Ah, you didn't make it that time. Listen, you just go back to this. How do I grow up? Let this be your stick, okay? Your measuring stick. We're not comparing, well, I'm doing better than so-and-so. That husband's a real jerk to his wife. You better be thankful that I'm not like him. That's not the measuring stick. He is not my measuring stick. Who's my measuring stick? Jesus. He's my measuring stick. What he said in his word, that's how I measure my life. Because a lot of time we go, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good as a Christian. At least I'm raising my hands during worship. You know, I'm starting to get a little dance in there. I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing better than, you know, the person next to me. That's not the measuring stick. It's between, yeah, oh, I know. It's between you and Jesus. Living large, I'm talking God's large. I'm not talking your neighbor's large. I'm talking God large with you. Okay. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come on someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflates its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. And I know this is kind of a funny, but irritated, because one thing that irritates the snot out of me is smocking. And it's just, somebody just, you know, chew with your, chew with your mouth closed! <laughs> <laughs> Now, I believe that was the Holy Ghost, but I, I believe that was him saying that. But Seriously, chew with your mouth closed! God bless you. <laughs> so the Lord's helping me with that, so I'm... Maybe he's just helped me turn a deaf ear to that, whatever. Verse 6, love joyfully <laughs> celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. That's big. And I think for me, one of the challenging things, and i just be real honest, it celebrates honesty, and it finds no delight in what is wrong. Because be, for me, personally, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a competitive individual. Now, it's fine to be competitive, but there's a problem with competitiveness. If, you don't care, if you're not careful with it, it can actually turn into now, I have an enemy. Yeah. Right? And so something you always want, I want to be this, I want to have that, I want to be in front, that there's, there's good that drives you. But the point where it starts to now I have an enemy or somebody that I'm going against, that's where the problem comes in. So if you're looking at a fellow Christian, another, another believer, and going, well, I'm doing better than they are, so I'm doing good, now we've missed it. That's not love, because now what I'm doing is I'm trying to bring somebody down in order for me to get up. Oh, yeah, this guy, he sucks, look how good I am. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's what he's talking about here. So we don't celebrate when someone else is down. Right? It doesn't rejoice when man, Mar- Marcel fails," or what, "I don't celebrate at that, I want to bring him off." Right?. Okay. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best of others. <laughs> Even if somebody came up to you and just flat out slapped you in the face, your response could be, "You must have just tripped." <laughs> <laughs> you, and people think it's being naive, It's not being naive. It's nothing, you know, because a lot of times, I mean, oh, just, somebody's so mad and just stop you. And you just, man, you must have just tripped. Oh, we're enacting together. You're fine. You, you must have, that's just the response. And people think walking in love is just being naive. No, it's being godly. It's really, what am I doing? I'm thinking the best of every single person. The same way that God would view them, I'm thinking the same way. Because what has happened is a lot of times people already have this pre-judging idea of what this individual is like. And as when you judge somebody, that means that you think they will never change. That's the problem. That's why we don't judge. Because the moment that you set a judgment, you've already just said, case closed, they will never change. And that will never work. Aren't you glad God didn't do that to us? love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best of others love never takes failure as a defeat for it never gives up love never stops loving so how do I grow up how do you love how do you love I remember uh, this was a little while back I was at a, I was at a conference and uh, this the speaker was talking about a um, no I'm sorry I, I didn't wasn't at a conference it was on a just on a CD that I was listening to and this guy had a visitation of heaven and he and he's all of a sudden he you know he's standing before the Lord and the Lord just didn't say anything just pointed at him and said have you learned how to love yet? And he said uh 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 you got to go back learn how to love and that was just the command so he came back and he just you know lived in this area can we love like God? Is it possible? Like is this a really a hard list to read off like Good Lord, I got to be incredibly patient. I have to be gentle and consistently kind to all. Even the idiots? Yeah, okay, even the, okay. Kind to all. It's everyone. So can I do this? Well, Romans 5 5, what does that say? What does it say? You can quote it, just yell it at me. Awesome. <laughs> it says, The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. What's on the inside of you? If you're a child of God right now, if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, what does he put on the inside of you? Love. And we can go, oh, yeah, that's just cute. No, the reason why he put it on the inside of you is so that you could live large. Because listen, to live a selfish lifestyle is to live very small, to live very narrow-minded, and to basically just have tunnel vision on your life. You'll think of everything is coming against you, oh, the church just wants my money. No, we want you to live large. You stingy man, you. Get outside of this. People sometimes even just, just leave Red Deer. See, there's more out there than Red Deer. I know, newsflash. <laughs> I remember the first time we went on a... Uh, <laughs> we went down to... Uh, we were going to camp meeting with, with my dad and my cousin Josh and Jade, and We went down, we were driving through Montana. We stopped someplace in Butte or, or whatever, I don't know, somewhere. And I'm like... What they got a Walmart here? America has Walmart, that's amazing. I had never left the country up to that point. <laughs> Canada center of the universe, Red Deer, Alberta. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to finish off right here. You got you're doing okay. Yeah. Two. 2 Second Corinthians 5:14. I want to this Man, I just think it's amazing because I used to go like, yeah, God put his love in me so I can love people. Great, God, that's wonderful. But seeing the effects of what it does, it causes you to live big and at the same time get his kingdom influencing greater amounts, stronger, more powerful. He wants to use you to demonstrate his love for someone else. How? By healing a body by meeting a financial need, by seeing someone who's been just living in depression, living in such bondage for years, and at the same time being able to use your hands with the power of God to set them free. It's bigger than you. You're part of something bigger. This church is part of something bigger. It's not just to house us and go, this is cute, this is nice for us. No, it's so that we can go out and be bigger. Live large, think large, go large. How? Love well. How do you love? How do you love? And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, I love this. says, Christ's love controls us. It controls us. <laughs> What's controlling you? Because if it ain't the love of God, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, not, it's not right. Because the love of God controls us. It causes us to do what we do. Remember people asking, why do you do free craves? I don't know. The love of God just tells us we just do stuff. Like it may seem so, so simple, but to some people, that's a huge deal, right? Just something small like that. Why? Why do you give? Why did you so? Why did you give that big chunk of money to this? The love of God controls us, not in the sense that we have no choice about it—not that—but it's just saying, it, other word translation. So it urges us. There's a strong desire that we got to step out, that we got to go. So I want to establish this mindset in us today. Says, either the way, Christ's love controls us. So I want this: since we believe, now this is a belief system you gotta establish on the inside of you, that Christ died for all. What does that mean? Well, Christ died for all means that He is already in God's eyes; He has saved all. We cannot reach a culture that we condemn. We cannot help a culture that we condemn. We cannot influence a culture that we condemn. Instead, what urges us? Not our doctrines, not our denomination. The love of Christ controls us. It urges us. It compels us to go forward. Why? Because we believe that Christ died for all. Because listen, if I put on my denomination glasses, if I put on my my background religious mindset and read that, well, yeah, Christ died for all. Yeah, well, they need to sharpen up and change the way that they live. Then we'll, we'll bring them into the church. No, no. He loves them, period. Nothing added to it. That's it. So what did he do? He paid the price for all sin for all time. That's what he did, his choice. Now, as long as we try thinking, well, that's not the way I would do it, that's why you're not God. And as long as you have that mindset, what's the result? You will be in the way of God reaching people. And anytime change happens, you'll be against it because now you're thinking, that's not the way that I used to do it. Who cares? It's 2017, not 1960. We're here now. And the result is, is that you're stuck back here and you're unusable. That's why I honestly have just come to grips with the Lord saying, Lord, I'm, I'm willing for your love to control me. So what does that mean? Change. What does that mean? A buttload of change in me personally. There's mindsets, there's thinking patterns, there's thoughts that I had government-wise, political-wise, business-wise. Man, if it doesn't line up with this, it's garbage, it's irrelevant. Everyone is not entitled to their opinion anymore. If you are a Christian, you have no more opinion. What's your opinion? This is it. If Jesus is Lord of your life, the result and the, the order is, you go by what he said. And everything, and you know, First John 5, 3, it tells us, and his commands are not them, they're not irksome. They're not there to push you down or to hurt you. They're there to, so that you can live large. Because listen, everything in the world is trying to suck you back in to the small level of thinking. Trying to bring you back, what if, it, what if it doesn't work out for you? Trying to pull you into this selfish mindset, selfish game. Because as long as you live in this selfish world, you are stuck to your own self. And the only one that can free you is your own thinking. God himself can't even come in and go, come on, there's more to it. God himself can't even help you. i well, glad that went over well. Okay. So what am I establishing my belief? That Christ died for all. So I need to look at how God views the world. I need to take on that viewpoint. How does God look at the drug addict? How does God look at someone who just, you know, can't stand Jesus, can't stand the church? How does he view them? Because as long as I keep all my denominational glasses and look at them and go, man, you're just an idiot. Hey, yeah, there's, yeah, there's some truth to that. But the result is, if I see it through the eyes of God and I'm I'm allowing his love to absolutely expand, he loves even the greatest atheist out there. We can't understand naturally his love. His love is so vast, it's so deep, it's so high, it's so wide, it's so great. He died for me. (laughs) I ain't that special. But he made me special. Same way here. And everybody has value. Everybody does. On this entire planet, everybody has value. Now, what you're worth is dependent on the choices you make. That's it. Right? If I, if I want God to use me, I've got to make choices so that He's able to have His access into my life. I need Him. I want him to be able to use me. I need him to help me think big. Listen, if you feel like, man, I'm just, I'm so living in this stuck, small little world, let me encourage you, get in 1 Corinthians 13 and just let those verses just open you up. If you find yourself not being a very patient and kind person, start there. I am patient. That's who I am. This person that cuts me off, go, praise the Lord. I am patient. Start there. You got to start somewhere. Nobody lifts, listen, I don't have this list complete, but I'm starting and as a result, as you take a step, guess what happens? God meets you. Okay, I'm taking another step. What happens? God meets me. I take another step. Okay, and at the same time, it's not by my work. His grace empowers me to be kind. I can't just be kind to my wife. I can't just be patient with her. God has to show me this. This is where religion is. Be kind to your wife, Joel. Be nice to her. Okay, and so I get this this willpower. I'm going to go be nice and uh, I'm going to work this thing out. Only for about an hour or two till she says something, then it's like all hell breaks loose. But if the love of God is on the inside of me, and I'm yielded to that, saying, Lord, help me. Show me. Now it's not me trying to do the work. It's my Father in me who's using me, and I'm able to now converse this way. We're all at different parts in this, but let me encourage you to start somewhere. Because to live large is to live in love. To think outside of yourself, man, there's nothing better than to see someone because of your obedience and your willingness to think large and see people through God's eyes, seeing someone accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be worth every type of inner turmoil you had. It's worth every every penny of it. <sighs> Why? It's people. What good is a church if it's not reaching people. <laughs> what good are we if we're not reaching people? It's all about people. It's between a father who loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Like whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, people don't go to hell for sin. They don't go to hell for stealing. They don't go to hell for cheating. They don't go to hell for adultery. They don't go to hell for that. Jesus already paid the price for all of that sin it's done it's taken away so why do people end up in hell then it's because they choose to reject jesus christ as their lord and savior listen he's attractive you're here jesus is attractive so why is it that some people if, if jesus is so attractive why do some people not want to go with him it's because they love the darkness more than they love the light listen facing and owning up to yourself and just saying i need a savior i I need help. That's that's a... Pride gets in the way. But I love what I'm doing. Man, this is what changed me. is just saying, you know what, Jesus, I actually can't do this. I, I actually can't do this. I was never intended to do this life on my own, and I'm trying to do it on my own. I flat out, I cannot do this. I can't make my career. I can't make my family better. I can't make my job better. I can't do this. Jesus, I need your help. And he says, right here. I got to receive him. That's what this whole thing's about. So number one, he wants to come in the ring of life with you and be real to you. Number two is he wants to use you to now showcase himself to this world. Can we just close our eyes just for a moment? Father, we love you and we are so thankful that you have put your love on the inside of us. Jesus, you called us to live large. You called us to go big, to reach the entire world with your good news. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Jesus, right now we make a dedication, a consecration of our lives, this church, to say, Jesus, however you want to reach someone, whatever you want to do, whatever you have to do, Jesus, we are willing to change. We're open to receive Newcomers, we're open to receive the world. We're open to receive those stuck in religion. We're open to receive anyone that comes in these doors. We're open to receive anyone that comes into our homes. we open to anyone who comes into our businesses. Jesus, we are open because we know we are the only Jesus that some people will ever see. Lord, we take that seriously. We are your, we are your church. We are your people. And Lord, we're here to represent you and the goodness that you really are. So, Father, we ask you by your grace to show us to get rid of our own personal ideas, our own personal image. And, Father, we want the, the image of Christ to not only be birthed in us, but, Father, that it takes over. Jesus, we're willing because you love this world. You love people. And, Lord, just because you love people, that's good enough reason why we love people. We don't love people for what they can do for us, for how they can help us. Lord, we love people just simply enough because you do. That's all enough that we need to hear.